Welcome to episode 9 of the Women of the Military podcast. In today's episode, I interview Shakia Kegler. Shakia joined the Navy in 2011 and her first assignment was in Japan. She left high school and joined the Navy and quickly found herself living in a foreign country. It was an adventure to be sure and she learned so much about herself in the process. Keep tuned to hear the rest of her story. You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Welcome, Shakia. Hello. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Thanks for being here. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. So, um, as you said, my name is Shakia Kegler. I am a U.S. Navy veteran. I joined the Navy in 2011. And during that time, I had the opportunity to learn a lot more about, you know, myself as an individual. I grew as a person and I also learned how to work with teams. And I've taken a lot of that information and the guidance and training that I went through from there. And I transitioned out of the military in 2016. And now I am running a business, a technology company that actually simplifies government contracting. The company is called Govlier. So right now it's just being that person that I was and implementing it into this new role of being a business owner. That's really interesting. I just wrote about on LinkedIn about how the military teaches you how to be, to go through different challenges. And it's one of the reasons I think so many people jump into entrepreneurship. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to join the Navy? Yes. So October 2011, I joined immediately after high school. Um, at one point, I was a little hazy. So I, I took a break from my debt program and then I decided to go back. Um, and the reason that I actually joined it, it wasn't, you know, the whole idea of um, being patriotic. I really joined because of, you know, economic struggles and difficulties. And my mother was actually sick. I'm the oldest of five girls. So I wanted to make sure that I was putting myself in a position as an 18 year old to be able to take care of my sisters. God forbid anything would have happened to my mother. So that was a real reason that I joined. And I also understood the benefits that the military provided in terms of, you know, um, growing as a person and then also the opportunities. Of course, everyone knows about the benefits. So that was one of the, that's the biggest driver that pushed me to join. And it also kept me uh, focused while I was in the military as well. So it, it pushed me to make, make sure that I was doing everything that I need to do, make sure I had my qualifications done, air warfare, surface warfare, um, and everything, learning about the job and, and taking on different tasks as well. So throughout that, it, it gave me guidance and that's one of the biggest reasons that I joined and what I gained from it was far more greater than anything I could have ever imagined. So I agree. I have been interviewing women for the past year and I asked that question, why did you decide to join? And most people joined because of not patriotic reasons, but because of college or getting mm -hmm. away from a financial hardship. I've heard that right. one as well. And so I don't think you're that different from everyone else. I think that the benefits are always one of the big factors of why people join the military and that's why they have the benefits exactly that's why they're there the biggest driver <laughs> so that's true that's very true 
and I think that's really the way that they use it for mostly when, you know, going through the recruiting process, that's all you really hear about. So at some point, you know, that has to be what a lot of people join for, especially with, you know, circumstances of everyday life and and what we, we all go through as, you know, human beings. So, yeah. Did you say that you did JROTC in high school? You said debt. And I was wondering if that's what you meant. No, um, no, I did not do JROTC. So when you are signing up for the, well, I think all of them have them now, but there's a delayed entry program. I was a part of the delayed entry program because I signed up while I was still in school and I had a, a job selected and a date to ship out, but the date was at a later date. So they try to keep you in the delayed entry program to keep you motivated to, you know, continue uh, the training and everything. And and some people, after they come out of the delayed entry program, it actually helps them make rank while in boot camp and stuff. So what did you do when you were in the Navy? Like, what was your job? My job was an aviation ordnance man. I was AO2 prior to separating from the military. But during that time, I actually, I actually took on different tasks as, in terms of um, different things for the department. I managed the supplies and the logistics for our department, ordering and purchasing. I was a part of the compliance department where we managed and tracked the um, the instructions and making sure that everyone was following safety guidelines and also in quality assurance. So were we just maintain quality control of everything that we were operating in any of the missiles or bombs or anything that actually needed to be tested or inspected. So yeah, the as an aviation ordnance man, the job is to actually build, assemble, and load ordnance. And I kind of did some of that, but I did a lot of the actual managerial side of it, where the paperwork and everything was associated with it. Is that normal for people to do that, or is it kind of like a mixed bag of where you go, just depending on what's available? Exactly. It's a mixed bag of it. And also because at once I, I got to the command, I was one of the first um, airmen to receive both my air and surface warfare pins within two to three months. So it was kind of a way for me taking on additional uh, responsibility to get, a you know, um, advance quicker and to get a better evaluation. So a lot of the tasks I end up taking them on is in terms of like training officer as well. So a lot of that stuff you can, you can, you can volunteer for it or be voluntold. So I took that initiative and ran with it. So it sounds like you were like on board and jumped into it right away once you got in the military. Where did you start your career in the Navy? Yes, my first duty station was on board the USS George Washington station in Yokosuka, Japan. And that was um, a really fun duty station. I know immediately leaving, you know, high school, leaving home for the first time and going to a new country is very scary. And, you know, at some point, you know, you you just all you want to do is go home. But um, the the experience was great. You got to experience like a different culture and in traveling to many of the different countries that, you know, most 18, 19 year olds have, you know, they maybe they haven't thought of it or they they couldn't. They could only dream of it. So, uh, yeah, being stationed on board the George Washington. And it was a forward deployed carrier. So we had a rotation that was six months on, six months off. So we were, every year we were deploying. And wow, I was saying, that's crazy. Yeah. So every year, every year we were out on deployment. But it was great. You know, we got to go visit places like Hong Kong, Malaysia. Uh, we went to the Philippines, Guam, um, Busan, South Korea. 
we went to Australia. Australia was amazing. Yeah, we, we've been to a few different countries and it, it was always a great experience. Always a great experience. That's really cool that as an 18-year-old, you got to go to Japan and live there and then deploy out of there and see even more of the world that most people haven't seen. So that's, exactly. did you uh, want to go overseas for your first assignment? Initially, I had no idea where I was going. I I selected to go on the West Coast because I had this idea of going to California. <laughs> so <laughs> I selected West Coast and I went to Japan. It wasn't California, so... I just kept going. Exactly. <laughs> so that's how it worked out. But it was um, great. It was great how it worked out. It, it happened the way it was supposed to happen. And once I left there, I was there for three years. I went, I left there and I went to another command because as a an, an aviation ordinance man, our seashore rotation was five on three off. Five years of going to six on six off. Uh, five years at sea and then three years off. It's either five and two or five and three. I don't know why it's leaving me right now, but <laughs> so that seashore rotation, five years at sea, two years or three years on uh, duty, well, not duty, on land. Right. So I still had two more years, so I went to another, I went to a squadron this time, actually, uh, located in Lemoore, California, NAS Lemoore. That year, you know, <laughs> we ended up going on deployment once again. And I think that was when I decided, okay, cool. Like, I'm, I am, you know, I want to try something different. And by this time, my sisters, you know, one of them had grown up and on their way to college. And the other, the twins, I have twin sisters, they are in high school. And the youngest one was in middle school. And my mom's health had begun to get a lot better. So that's when I decided, you know, I want to actually get out and try to find something that, you know, I, I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And that was kind of my turning point. That would push you to get out. It makes a lot of sense that everything was structured and with you deploying on such a regular basis, yeah. um, that takes a toll. What was it like to be out at sea, especially as a female um, on a carrier with probably a bunch of other men? Um, <laughs> what was that experience like? Um, it was a funny experience at times. It was crazy. It was depressing at times. And, you know, it, it always had its way of, I guess, revealing something about you that you didn't know. I, I think that that's a good assessment. It, it always had a way of revealing something about you. Um, so uh, we had so many different things going on on the boat at that time. Um, a lot of stuff that, you know, we people don't necessarily hear about because they're not actively in the military. And it's a lot of stuff that, you know, we don't necessarily necessarily want to broadcast because you don't want to see, you know, the people serving your country in that light as well. Being in an environment around so many men, let's just say, I took on the roles as, you know, the quality assurance and the all of the different managerial roles. So I always had um, that nickname of being like uh how do you say it without being vulgar because the <laughs> the language they use was completely different so uh it, being in that that role um it, it actually you know helped me to gain thick skin in a sense you know and not being able to allow stuff to to bother you or affect you in a, a certain certain manner but there are also a lot of different male counterparts who you know were extremely supportive they were you know they were right there with you, you know, and 
that whole idea of actually everyone having everyone's back. You had some people in that scenario as well. So it was kind of, I would say, the best uh, and the worst of both worlds. That makes a lot of sense. So you had people who supported you, like other men who Mm -hmm. supported you being in the military, but then you still had people who appreciate that you were there. Exactly. Or someone who would say um, maybe something about like, oh, women, if you can't do this, then what, what are you here for? Or something like that like in in that sense or you know but overall like you still had a lot of people who respected you as an individual because you know you took the same leap as they did as well right so those two those two and then of course being in such a few you know the minority of women on the boat um you had a lot of men uh who would try to get at you or whatever and is is just being able to maintain that integrity and being able to you know police yourself as a woman to ensure that you don't get labeled so to speak so um it there are a lot of perks um as to being like you know in that environment because it allows you to know become build yourself up and become an extremely strong person but for some people, it could also tear them down as well. Yeah, I think when I was deployed, I didn't realize how being, like, there were so many few females, and we got a lot of attention that I never had really gotten before. I was an officer, and so some of the people I talked to got even more attention than I did, and I feel like mm-hmm. that kind of protected me in a way. But mm-hmm. it was still really, like, a weird experience because I had never experienced all that attention or like it just was weird and I didn't really know how to deal with it and I didn't have to deal with it for the most part but some people it was more in your face and like could have a really negative effect on you exactly the last thing you want like it because throughout it follows you throughout your career like as large as the military you know the navy any of the branches are you always seem to circle back around to someone that you know you knew from your previous command or someone who knew someone from your previous command So it's kind of, you know, it's a lifetime label. That's very true because I met someone and I had heard stories about this person and they had totally changed from the story, but I still knew the stories. And so it was really, yeah, so it's true because people, it's a small, yeah, they say it's a small air force. It's a small military community Mm -hmm. and and you can't undo it. You can't. That's the, that's the hardest part, like trying to undo something because that's the one thing that you can't necessarily fight up against is someone else's perception of you. Like at the end of the day, there's absolutely no way you can change that. That's a personal opinion. It, it really is just, just being very careful. Um, so I would say women have to police themselves a lot more than men do. I agree with that. That's very true because it's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. It's not like something that and I'm hoping, I'm here for the change. I, I, I would love to see that kind of change, actually, to where it's, you know, it happens. And whatever happens, happens. Like, there's no, nothing right. behind it. Did you face any struggles while you were serving in the military? You talked a little bit about them, but is there anything that stood out as, like, a struggle that caused you to decide to leave? No, not to necessarily for me to decide to leave. I began to... One of the biggest reasons that I I actually made that leap because I began to lose interest, you know, with the con the constant like deploying, and which I understand that that's that's the job, you know, this is the mi- we have to fulfill the mission. I understand that, but I think I 
I began to, I don't want to say bored. I wasn't bored. I was becoming complacent. Um, and I kind of just wanted something different, something. Yeah. So I just wanted to do something different. Do you think the military affected you as a person? Did it change you? What did you learn about yourself? Yes. Oh my gosh. So learned a lot about myself, as I said before, through the process. And I've changed a lot as well. Like immediately when I came home, after, you know, deciding to separate and my family, they were so shocked. They were just, you know, they would look at me like I'm a completely different person. So you, oh, that's another hardship. <laughs> I just thought about that. Um, So one of the hardships is losing connections with the people that, you know, you know, and you love, right? Because of the consistent growth and, you know, you're growing, they're growing, life is, is moving, life is continuing to move. So one of my biggest struggles, um, separating and while I was there was actually nurturing those relationships. So once I came home, it began to become hard to connect with, you know, my sisters, my mom, you know, different family members, because I wasn't that same person and they weren't the same person either. So learning how to cope in those type of situations, I guess getting to know someone all over again every time is a daunting task at the same time, you know, because yes, it happens throughout, but throughout life, but we're constantly growing together in a sense, even if we are apart. But I think because military life is so different from civilian life, it becomes uh, like you live in two completely different worlds. So that was one of the things that I struggled with uh, a lot was um, because I'm, I'm a very family oriented person and I love talking to my family, like just being around them in general. So that was one of the biggest uh, struggles for me. And I also had that same uh, issue with, you know, my boyfriend as well. You know, he would go out to deployment or I would go off to deployment and then coming back, we would have to rekindle that relationship. So getting to know one another every single time. Yeah. So and I'm sure you can attest to this. <laughs> well, and I feel like the military kind of like pushes you to just like dive back into normal life when you get mm-hmm. home from a deployment. And mm-hmm. Or even like when you separate, they're like, get a new job and fill that void. Exactly. And they don't really think about like how you're feeling. And exactly. like, I liked what you said. You said you're changing as a person and the person who's staying behind is changing. Exactly. So you're both changing at the same time. So when you come back together, even if nothing dramatic happens, you mm-hmm. both still have changed because exactly. life has happened. Exactly really depending on who you are as well, you know, and, and how much you've changed and from where you come from. You you become, you know, throughout it, you know, I've learned, I've become a more disciplined person. I am, I'm more polished, you know. Um, my attitude prior to joining service wasn't as great as, you know, it is now, you know, um, being very positive about certain situations and, and basically understanding, like, I guess the hardships that you go through to the, through the military and once you separate, you just begin to feel like, you know, it's minuscule, you know, <laughs> I don't know if it makes sense, but all the problems, they just begin to seem to, to feel small, smaller than they were. Right. And um, before joining the military, I was, I was one of those people uh, who I, I, I was very conscious of, about what people would say about me and how people would perceive things that I would say or do. I was very conscious as to, you know, what pe- what others thought of me. And, you know, through, throughout the process, you know, you're ridiculed. You're, you know, I don't want to necessarily say like you're, you're talked about like so much, but throughout that process, you just begin to be able to filter out the noise 
and and what actually matters. So I think um, that was one of the a, a great thing that it helped me develop as a person, but also leadership qualities, being able to see certain situations and understanding, dang, I really like that about petty officer or chief so-and-so. And man, I do not like the way senior chief XYZ is treating, you know, the airmen. It allows you to see that stuff and to build on your character and your leadership qualities as well, because you you can now determine how you see situations handled and how you would react in certain situations. And also you actually being a part of those situations. So maybe you know, someone treated you a certain way and now you can see how that made you feel. So as you know, you grow as a as an individual and as a leader, you now know how to handle those situations in a different light. Yeah, it sounds like the military taught you a lot and you learned a lot from your experience. Yeah. And I relate to a lot of what you've been talking about. Yeah, it was it was one of the I always say it was the best decision that I could have made. Like, I don't think I could have went to college and become the person that I am today. I mean, maybe it's inevitable and maybe I was I was destined to be where I am right now. So no matter what route I, t- I took, would I would be here. But I still feel like, you know, it was the the best decision that I've made in my life. That's really cool to hear. Do you have a favorite memory from your military experience? Oh, man. So, (laughs) um, I would say favorite memory was actually, so this is, this is how it works. Soon as I got to Japan, the very same day, no, the very next day, my ship was going on deployment. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Exactly. So I didn't get to like warm up or anything. So it was immediately the next day we were underway and just that first experience of going, you know, out to sea and <laughs> being seasick <laughs> was so crazy. But I still remember that, you know, that very first introduction into, you know, my first command, my first duty station deployment. I still remember that. And when I think about it now, like it's it's funny, you know, but um, it, it's very fresh. So that's, I, I feel like a lot of my memories are good memories, <laughs> but a lot of that was, um, that was, that was very memorable to me. Like I still, I still can feel the way it felt going out and, you know, being dizzy, <laughs> trying to walk down. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's one of my great, great memories. I do have more, but I'll share that one. So you arrived in Japan and then you left for six months exactly. right after. That's crazy. And I didn't so, even think about being seasick and being on a boat. Exactly. How did you get over? Is it just over time your body adjusted? Or? Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And they call that when you get your sea legs. So I got I my sea legs. Term, but I never really knew what it meant. So Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I thought you had to like do something. I didn't realize you just had to not be sick anymore. No, I and then we did like a shell back, um, a, a shell back session as well. I think that's another thing that was pretty cool. But what's a shell back? Uh, shell back is when we cross the equator. So when the ship oh, crosses okay. the equator, they they have this like shell back like in dock session where you know you go through different trainings on the boat and you go through like some green goop and it's just crazy so but it was military traditions exactly yeah that sounds really cool yeah so that was fun yeah learning all of that stuff i was a, a part of the um honors guard as well so most of the time we would present 
at a lot of the different events and, and meet different, you know, dignitaries from different countries. I thought that was amazing. Yeah, it, it was a great experience. I, I, I have absolutely no regrets about it. That's yeah. great to hear. Yeah. And I guess it would be easy for the next question, which will be my last question. But what would you tell girls who are considering joining the military? I would say make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, make sure that you're doing you, your reason for joining is strong enough to keep you to stay because it's not easy. And, and that's anything with life, you know, uh, it's not easy. So you need to be able to stay focused. You need to be able to stay motivated throughout this process. So that way, you know, when you get in, it, it's it, it's no surprise. And, you know, you're you're not on the fence about if you want to get out two years into your five year contract. So just just being I would say, make sure the reason that you're joining is 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 strong enough to keep you there. I like that advice because that's one thing about the military is that when you join, you you kind of have to stay. Exactly. (laughs) Until your commitment's done. And so if you're just joining and you're not dedicated to it, it could be a long, Mm -hmm. long time to be committed to the military. Yeah, that's true. Just because, like we said, like it's it's not easy. It's no cakewalk, you know. And not to say that college or anything else is easy. I'm I'm definitely not doing that. But it's a lot more leeway. If you decide you want you don't want to go to college and you want to work for a year, you want to take a year off and go to work, you can do that. But you can't do that in the military. So just understanding that it's an all or nothing situation. So make sure that you ha- you're you're all in. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, thank you for being a guest this week on the Women of the Military podcast. I'm really glad I got the chance to hear your story. And if people want to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to get contacted with you? Okay. Yes. So you can connect with me. Any additional questions or anything you just want to talk about? You have a young per a young girl who would like to, you know, learn a little more about the Navy or any other branch or just being in the military in general. You could always send me an email at s k e g l e r at g o v l i a dot com. And you can also connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm on all social media sites. So LinkedIn is Shakia Kegler, S-H-A-K-E-I-A, last name Kegler, K-E-G-L-E-R. I'm on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and it's all the same, Shakia Kegler. So yeah, just connect with me in any way possible. And um, if you want to also learn more about the company, Govlia, you can go to G-O-V-L-I-A.com. And we basically help small businesses by getting them introduced to different government opportunities. So helping them grow through selling to the actual government. So state and local government agencies. So, yeah. That sounds great. And we'll put all your links in the show notes so that people can find them easily. And thank you again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.